Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 620. No more perfect. Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, what, um, how do you want me to start here? <laughs> how good is Brock Purdy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that we even said the word elite. <laughs> um, is that is this a topic you want to just, if you just dive right into this topic? The, the no more Purdy topic? Look, I, <laughs> I'm not going to judge him too harshly for that performance because I think there's a lot of a, I think that Cleveland defense, right. Is, is elite potentially the best defense in the league, but certainly in the discussion for the best defense in the league. So I think didn't the Ravens put up 28 the week before on them. I mean, the, the Browns, they're inconsistent, you know, <laughs> they are inconsistent. I mean, look, I'll also like Brock Purdy. The week, a week ago, <laughs> we can throw out that performance from the Browns because their quarterback only knew it was starting two hours before the game. So, you know, there was... Didn't they give up 26 to the Steelers? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess that shows, you know, who's the better quarterback right. there. I, I, I don't know if that's the greatest way to analyze performances, but <laughs> that Browns defense is legitimately excellent. And then the conditions... I mean, which we mentioned, right, when we were talking about the upcoming Browns game. The conditions themselves were not exactly conducive to a sort of free-flowing aerial offense. So, And then there were players going out, you know, losing Debo during the game, losing Christian McCaffrey during the game. Lots of little factors. He wasn't particularly good. The one thing I will say. But I guess that rules out that when you actually need to rely on him and your top guy goes out. Here's the argument you would say. <laughs> when they really needed him, he drove down the field and put them in field goal position, and the, the kicker missed the field goal. So, field goal. I could have scored a touchdown. Well, they were never, they didn't even try to. Uh, this is the, <laughs> and this will goes on a larger NFL gripe I have. And it annoys me because I know Bill Simmons had a similar point, but like NFL teams now settle for uncomfortably long game winning field goals. It's a topic we've discussed in the past where these teams just settle for like 45-yard field goals because the success rate on them is so high now. But, you know, they got to the they got into field goal range and definitely had time to try and get an extra 10 yards and just spike the ball and settled for the fact that, no, we'll just kick it from here. Yeah. And yeah. I don't. Well, I mean, I think I, I, I think what they're thinking is, Jesus Christ, our quarterback, he can't make a throw. <laughs> let's Let's not risk him. You know, throwing the game. game sure. I mean, I mean, not specific to Brock Purdy, but that is the calculation <laughs> that obviously is being made. But you just see every NFL team doing it. And I genuinely. Yeah. You can't tell me it doesn't bother you when you have like a bet riding on a team and they're about to kick the game winning field goal and they get to 45, you know, like a 45 yarder with 25 seconds left and just say, no, no, no we'll just run the clock down to three seconds well, and call the timeout. So I think Bill Simmons, his take on it was like he wanted to know at what level a kicker would be like super comfortable with, yeah, I can make this no problem. 
I think the better question is what you kind of just brought up as a better at what distance are you not sweating it? I mean, technically almost none, right? Because game like time expiring field goal, you're always going to have a. But there's definitely a level of like, all right, whew, I think he's got it versus like, oh, I don't know. What's like the what's the distance where it's like, oh, I'm not too sure now. <laughs> definitely everything under 40. As soon as though it's as soon as they're like it's a 30 something yard field goal or less, you feel better. I think, see, for me, I think it's 35. But I do agree. The cutoff. Like, if you say a 39 yarder, that's, I'm like, oh, that's 39. That's basically 40, oh, which is far. basically 50. <laughs> yeah. You know, Easter. <laughs> yeah, which is basically yeah. blocked. <laughs> which is basically easily skewed right. You know, there's, yep. but no, I do agree with you. And ideally, you want to be in the 20s. You know, once you get in, I'm not really worried. I know they get missed. I know they get blocked. I know snaps can be fumbled. The hold can be messed up, whatever. But realistically, once you get into the 20s, you almost feel like you don't need to watch it. You know, you're like, okay, this is this is like an extra point. We should be fine. But hey, we don't have to limit the criticism. I mean, I'll take it this way. I'd take Brock Purdy's performance on Sunday every day of the week over what Jalen Hurts did. So if, <laughs> yeah. you know, who we also, well, we also, I also put into the elite category and... I mean, he. Well, we we didn't. No, first off, we don't do elite. We rankings, don't do rankings ever. But we don't do rankings of anything. But we didn't say he was elite. The question was, is he trending more towards elite than Brock Purdy? And I would argue that at this point, Zach Wilson <laughs> is trending more elite than either. Look, of them. <laughs> let's not overreact to a single game. You know, this is. There's a reason why there aren't many undefeated teams, and usually. It, boils down to a bad quarterback performance. So, you know, everyone, yeah, yeah it's gonna happen. I think there is. I mean, but is, is that a bad? Yes. Okay. Jalen Hurts did not play well, but is that last play where he throws that pick that sets the jets up? Is that a bad quarterback play? Or is that Nick Sirianni trying to out coach himself instead of just looking at it from face value and saying, I, I will happily on third down, punt this ball and give it to Zach Wilson to go 90 yards down the field to score a game winning drive well, versus run any risk of a turnover. N- not I, 90, I mean, right? Cause they would have just needed a field goal. I know. No, no, no. The The first one they threw was in their own. Like he threw it at the 50, which he picked it off. At which, the 50. which, which interception, the, the, the interception where the jets eventually took the lead from is the final interception. Yeah. They were up by two point. He picks that at the No, I know, but when you're saying drive down 90, they, they only needed a field goal, so there's no scenario where they had to... Like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, you're, yeah, you're, okay, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I, I, yes. Um, uh, it's probably not the greatest play call. At the same time, we don't know exactly what the play call was. You know, this is always the issue with criticizing the play call. We don't know what it, he got told to do. You know, it's this. it's like, for example, the analysis of... The Browns, they nearly threw a pick, you know, to, that would have ended that game. And then Stefanski came out and said he wasn't supposed to throw it. Like his instructions were clearly roll out and like unless a guy is absolutely wide open, do not throw the ball. Just slide and we'll kick a field goal. So you don't know necessarily what Jalen Hurts has been instructed to do. 
Or like the Giants with Tyrod Taylor at the end of the first half when he does a run play at the one yard line and runs yeah, exactly. the clock out. And then, and then, well, the only difference there is Dayball was very happy with fully blaming <laughs> Tyrod Taylor on that. Well, look, Stefanski <laughs> was happy to throw the quarterback under the bus too. It's just that they ended up winning, so he doesn't have it. Doesn't look as bad, but. Uh, and it's just a bad read by Jalen Hurts. Like it's in, it's impossible That's to defend, terrible. regardless of what the call is. When you know the situation is like, oh, I can actually afford to take a sack here. Like there's no anything but a turnover, and really anything but a turnover and anything but an incompletion is a positive outcome for us. So to decide to throw that into that kind of coverage is just kind of mind blowing. So regardless of what the actual play call itself was, whilst that might have increased the odds of Hertz making a mistake, at the same time, you'd think you'd trust him enough, he's experienced enough, or you'd think he's not going to be that dumb, right? Like, he's he's not going to completely ruin our game with a decision here. And, and he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was not a great performance. And then they have another tough game now against the Dolphins on Sunday night coming up. So this could be a rough two weeks for the Eagles. Well, they have a tough schedule. They have a tough they schedule could. in general coming up. So, yeah, yeah, things could look a lot worse for them in a few weeks. I mean, look a lot worse. They're still obviously going to make the playoffs. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders. They're just that good. But this huge impact on their seeding, which I do think is important, you know the even winning the division, division. Yeah, you might they might be getting an extra playoff game as a result of this this kind of loss. And then yeah, this is. But you know, I I have to say though, like we did say, we've been saying for a few weeks now that this offense has looked kind of off. You know, they haven't clicked as well as last year, and I don't know if this is the the Bill Barnwell coming back to normal. You know, maybe they just were just not lucky, but just happened to be hitting on every cylinder last season. And now we're seeing a more normal version of this offense, the, the coaching of the offense, the running of the offense, Jalen Hurts in general is maybe come back down to normal a little bit, or if this was just a blip, but it, they haven't looked as unstoppable this season as they have last. And maybe it's just because their schedule is tougher. And last year they had such an easy schedule that they were blowing out these two win teams and everyone thought they were the greatest offense on the planet. And, you know, maybe now they're playing tougher teams and, and not getting the greatest results. Yeah. And I just think in general, right, we expect too much perfection from sports teams. Like there has to be some allowance to have slightly bad spells, like a few games where you're not pitch perfect. And then also to have bad losses. Like this is history tells us this doesn't have, like we shouldn't significantly change the, Super Bowl odds of either the Eagles or the Niners as a result of what happened in week five. Like that's not, aside from injuries, nothing at this point of the season really matters too much. So yeah, I guess the other talking point from that game though is their decision to let the, let the Jets score just, and then the analysis of should they have been, the Jets been smart enough to know that was going to happen and to have turned down the touchdown to I mean, they're the Jets. They're not smart. <laughs> but I feel like in this analysis, people have been treating it as if it was either 
the Eagles getting the ball back with a minute 45 or whatever it was with two timeouts or time was going to expire as the Jets kicked a field goal, that there would have been like 55 seconds left. So either you score, say they play it perfectly, they score with, they kick the field goal with 55 seconds left. So the Eagles have no timeouts, but only need to get into field goal range then. I actually think the touchdown, I felt less confident with them. If you told me, as someone like I had them ranked high, for example, in my confidence pool, if you had told me that the Eagles needed to get 40 yards to kick a game-winning field goal with no timeouts but 55 seconds versus... It would have been less than 55. It would have been about 40, it looks like. You sure? Because they have one... Well, they 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 scored. They started to play at one forty six, the first and goal. So if you say five seconds of play, so first down, second down, third down, that's fifteen seconds just in oh, playing. Five seconds a pretty pretty and long then, play on. Not really. I mean, a, a, a pass play takes six okay. seconds to develop. So a, a run play up the gut where you're getting stuffed taking five seconds. It's it's a pretty slow. So what does it take? Three. I hate- well, we're okay, counting three. the seconds, so okay. yeah. Okay, so 10 seconds and then 40 would be the last runoff yeah. of the clock because they would be able to stop at once. So that's 50 seconds and then, what, four seconds to kick a field goal. So that's about 55. So you're looking at like 40, 50 seconds left. All right. That's It's tough. I, you got to go. So that's, you're giving yourself... Ah, it's tough. The, arg- the it's argument tough. is, the only argument that I think that makes more sense is that if you if you drop down on the one or inside the one-yard line, you're probably going to score the touchdown anyway on an ensuing play. And so you could have made them burn one timeout. And, one more timeout. But you're taking the risks. Like, it's always one of these things. We assume that everything goes perfectly, but then what happens if they fumble the snap or the uh, running back? Yeah. I mean, it's Zach Wilson. Anything I think possible. he's actually playing pretty well, so I don't know. But, but you know, anything is possible in the sense of you see people get stuffed on the goal line and fumble the ball. So, you know, then what's the anal- how does the analysis change? Like, the assumption is everything goes smoothly from that point on, which if, if you're going to assume that everything goes that smoothly on offense, why not trust your defense, which had shut the Eagles out in the second half? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other argument for what you're saying is it's not as if the Eagles were driving down the field every series. So you put them in having to score. I I don't know. Like they have to score a touchdown. Right. And they haven't scored a touchdown in almost two quarters since the second quarter early on. So I would be kind of confident that my defense can stop them and from scoring a, a touchdown instead of maybe stopping them from hitting two 20-yard passes and kicking a, especially with Elliott, a 60-yard field goal to win it. So you can definitely make that argument as, as well. Yeah, even though he just missed a relatively short field goal. But yeah, no, I think... But he but he kicks bombs, yeah. though. Into the crowd. <laughs> but no, I think... Yeah, no, look, I would rather... I would rather have the touchdown advantage. The field goal advantage, I think it comes back... Again, that feels like as much as the influx of and the influence of statistics have changed decision-making in the NFL, I think people underrate the ability of teams to get the 
35, 40 yards they need to attempt a field goal. Like we live in a world now where people realistically kick 60 yard game winning field goals. So you don't really need like one completion can put you into field goal range. Certainly two completions almost certainly does. So to assume that you can, you know, like they can have fourth and 10 from their own 25. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, Eagles are winning. Like probability of winning has just gone yeah. to 80%. Yeah. Oh, you can script easy. Like a, a 12 yard out guy steps out next play hurts scrambles. Cause it's all deep routes gets like 15 yards on a scramble steps out of bounds, six yard out, out of bounds, 60, 58 yard field goal win. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I've seen it a dozen times. I've not only seen that. <laughs> I've seen the same scenario where all of a sudden, if you want the Eagles to win, you're flipping and you're like, Oh, they might kick this field goal too soon. Like all of a sudden, you know, they have like fourth and six with 30 seconds left. And you think, oh, shit, now the Jets are going to get the ball to back with 30 seconds to go. And they might be able to kick a game winning field goal. So, yeah, I think you you take the touchdown advantage and you trust your defense almost regardless of the situation. I just think that's the smartest decision. But that's the two undefeated teams, both losing. So I had to do a little bit of digging because obviously that's week five. It feels early for there to be no undefeated teams left in the NFL. So I wanted to ask you, what's the earliest that the league has been left without an undefeated team? I'll say week four. I'll go back one week. Correct. How many times do you think? <laughs> it seems about it seems about like the only way it's almost feasible. How many times do you think it's happened? <laughs> Oof. Twice? Also correct. Happened in once in 2010 when the Bears, Steelers, and Chiefs were all undefeated going into week four. And they all... Wow, what a different time that was. they all lost. (laughs) And it happened again in 2014 when the Eagles, Bengals, and Cardinals were all undefeated going into week four and all lost. Wow. That's even crazy that going into week four, there was only three teams undefeated. Yeah. Although I guess going into week five this year, there were only two. So, okay. Yeah. But I think going into week four, there was like yeah, six. Maybe. But hey, the team, the Eagles and the Niners are probably happy. It takes that. Is this going to be the undefeated team discussion? You know, just remove. <laughs> I don't think that was ever. Uh, kind of was. <laughs> Let me go back to the Niners real quick here, Eddie. Not to overreact, but we saw what happened to the Niners when McCaffrey went out. Are you now more worried that if something were to happen to McCaffrey, this team could unravel quickly? No, I mean, I don't unravel quickly. I I think they remain a Super Bowl contender with or without Christian McCaffrey. I think they are the best team in the NFL with Christian McCaffrey. And I think they dropped to being the fourth or fifth best team in the NFL without him. I think he is, but that's the, it's, these are marginal gains, right? Like there's not a huge difference between being the best team and the fourth best team in my eyes this year, because they're not like the standout teams we've seen in, in years past. I think to miss both to be without both Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and have them both go out in the same game. As much as they still had Ayuk and George Kittle 
and you know other weapons to have to shift have to shift your game plan that significantly mid game in tough conditions against a very good defense not easy like i don't think we can underestimate how much of an impact that really has on game planning so look if that had been if they'd been playing the chiefs I wouldn't have been as worried because I think they still would have been able to move the ball pretty effectively. But there's a handful of teams against. Chiefs defense looks pretty good. Who are they playing? I mean, like <laughs> they're looking okay against some pretty garbage teams. But didn't <laughs> But no, I think you know they're. It's not a case of. Without Christian McCaffrey, this team cannot win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's that. The equation is not that simple. But obviously, he's the best running back in the league. He's one of the most valuable non-quarterback offensive weapons, if not the most valuable non-quarterback offensive weapons. So, yeah, that that obviously impacts, impacts the team. Speaking of the Chiefs, did you see that they're getting Mecole Hardman back? From the Jets. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess helps them for that big play threat that they are severely lacking at the moment. Not doing anything with the Jets. I think he's got he's had one yeah. reception <laughs> this season. Yeah, no. I, and look, he doesn't do that much with the Chiefs either. It's just every once in a while he has some big plays. It's not as if he was, it's a big you know, one. it wasn't as if he was, you know, getting, yeah, Tyree 150 Tyree. yards a game. Like, it's... He'll pop up with a couple big plays, and he's better than what they have in their wide receiver core at the moment. So it's a useful addition. And he obviously yeah. knows the system, so that's a big help over other additions they could have made. But it's not like that something radically changes my opinion of the Chiefs. Okay, maybe that doesn't. But how about then instead, Eddie, the Jets, who just beat the Eagles to go to 3-3, three and three, which when you look back at their schedule, even with Rodgers, are they much are they gonna be five and one? Probably not. You know, maybe they have one less win than they would have. So out of a pretty tough opening six games, three and three, but all reports is that Aaron Rodgers is extremely well ahead of schedule, freakishly fastly recovering, according to team doctors. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe anything that comes out of the Aaron Rodgers camp. So, I mean, yeah, look, the pictures come out. It, I, I don't know. Because for every time social media overreacts, right, there's pictures of him throwing pregame. I mean, not moving, but just tossing a ball. And social media kind of erupts with, like, how is this possible? And then the, doc, I mean, respected doctors, you know, those kind of guys who comment on NFL injuries, on social media then say actually for an achilles injury this isn't that weird like he should be able to stand up and throw a ball the question is sprinting full speed it's not him's ability to <laughs> walk or stand independently at this point so i don't know I've, having never been through an achilles injury it's hard for me to gauge whether or not he's ahead of schedule or behind schedule and reports seem to differ so as for the Jets season yeah i think they're probably with a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers, they're probably the same record. 
So I think they, but maybe they would have had it in a different order, if you see what I mean. So maybe they wouldn't have beaten the Bills in week one, but they probably would have beaten the Patriots. You know, like there's different. God, how do they not? Yeah, there's different ways of kind of working out how they get to those wins, but. When you ultimately, when you look at it and you think that their losses are to the Chiefs, the Cowboys, okay, the Patriots is the weird one, but beat, beat the, the Bills, Bills and beat the Eagles. So, yeah, yeah I think <laughs> from the sixth game. But I guess, yeah. are, are you, are you, is the stock rising if Rodgers can make a return? Late in the season. I don't think there's any way he's making. I mean, maybe he's if they're making the playoffs, maybe he's back in like the even the optimistic talk, right? Is that he's back in January? So, what's he playing the final game of the season? You know, like if that's it, that's all he needs one win, so if, playoffs. If, if everything's on the line, which for them it's the Patriots, so that's a win. They don't need him. Oh, call me up. I can do better I mean, they than don't Rogers. Need him for that. They might need him the week before, December 29th is the Browns, maybe. But then, put it this way, if Aaron Rodgers is coming back from an Achilles injury, do you want his comeback game to be against maybe the best defense in the league that's sure to get him, like, again, you know, the Jets do not have the best offensive line anyway. So put him up against that that Browns pass rush. I think that could be, has an, has an NFL quarterback ever snapped his Achilles twice in the same regular season? That would be the, that would be the question to ask. Um, I don't think they're doing better than expected. And I think Wilson is showing signs of encouragement. Don't, don't even say I, you are being fooled. Being You're being, being fooled. fooled. <laughs> I'm, he's showing signs of encouragement. I think it's for the jets. If I were a jets fan, this is, this would worry me because he's showing just enough promise that whenever the Rogers era comes to an end, you'd now feel as if, well, we got to give him a chance, right? Like he showed he was, he wasn't bad. Like we got to give this high draft pick a chance to show his true potential. So almost if I were a Jets fan, I would have rather had this season go catastrophically poorly. So you just know, no, 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 let's not embrace mediocrity with Wilson. Oh, I think it'd be a bold. He's had four starts this season. How many touchdown passes do you think he has? Three. Two, and they're both against the Chiefs. So three out of his four games, he doesn't even have a TD pass. <laughs> you know I'm not, I'm not a big believer in, in that type of statistical analysis. I think he passes the eye test. He's not – I think he's a legitimate backup quarterback in the NFL. I think if he's your backup, you feel like he could come in and win you a game. Oh, that's a big difference than trying to be a playoff team. But I didn't say they were. <laughs> you well, keep telling they I was are right fooled, now. Technically, just, they're in the playoffs if it ended today. Yeah, and I I don't think they'll. The neg- the test against the Giants is going to be an interesting one. Why? I think they'll lose. <laughs> I think the Giants will win. Oh boy, Eddie. Which I think that's when talk about good backup quarterbacks. At this point, I think I ride with Tyrod Taylor the rest of the season. <laughs> but I mean, okay, let's run through their schedule. So you're gonna give them the win against the Giants. Yeah. I'll let you do the pick. Yes. So that's four and three. Chargers. Loss. At the Chargers. Loss. Four and four. 
home to the Raiders. Raiders surprisingly decent. I'll give yeah. them a loss. Four and five. Okay. Uh, home for the Bills. Loss. Four and six. Home for the Dolphins. Loss. Oh, no, at the Dolphins. Doesn't matter. Anything. Four and seven. Uh, at the Falcons. Win. I think the Falcons. Five and, se- five and seven. At the Texans. I'll give them the win here because I gave them the loss to the Raiders. So that's six and seven. Uh, home for the Dolphins. Loss. Six and eight. Uh, at the Commanders. Win. Seven and eight. Home for the Browns. Here comes Aaron Rodgers. Eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then home for the Patriots. So you've got them going nine and eight. I would actually realistically, I think, have them going eight and nine. Nine, Yeah, nine and eight's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's it's put it this way you say it's fair but it's it's optimistically optimistically fair (laughs) optimistically fair so to get to 10 would be a great accomplishment for that team yeah it means they have to not slip up and they have to sneak a win against probably the raiders maybe the chargers you could say maybe they have a chance against that's it like, I can't see them beating the Dolphins. Like, they just don't score enough points. Like, you just, to beat the Dolphins, you need minimum 30 points. Yeah. And we just said Zach and Wilson has two touchdown passes in four games. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it just doesn't, it isn't going to happen. Because we basically, you gave them every win. I gave them the benefit of the doubt on most games. Yeah. No, you're so, not beating the Bills. You're not beating the Dolphins twice. I mean, how different would that story be if they did what they should have done and lost to the Bills in, in the opening week and instead now they're two and four? I think it's we're not even discussing that. But that's how like that one game is affecting them so much. Yeah. I mean, they'd reverse it, right? They'd say if they'd done what they should have done and beaten the Patriots and they were four and two, how different is that discussion? So... I mean, they are fine margins making the playoffs in the NFL, right? It's this the sample size of games is so small that one or two weird wins or one or two weird losses and completely changes it. But yeah, I, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. And I hope they don't because nothing would ruin wildcard weekend more than part of the storyline being oh. Aaron Rodgers coming back. And you know they'd lose and then we'd have to deal with him just blaming everyone but himself yeah and i'll correct myself i said that wilson started four games he started five games not four i discounted him one touchdown in that first start in dallas there we go where he also had three games game Game changer (laughs) so he has three and five um this is just a quick one we talked about we just mentioned daniel jones and tyrod taylor and backups i was shocked to hear this is Tyrod Taylor's 13th year in the league. <laughs> Doesn't that seem crazy to you? That's a long time. And I, I did not think he was in the NFL that long. Yeah. So Tyrod Taylor, basically our friendship is as long as yeah, Tyrod Taylor's crazy. NFL career. I mean, that's the weird thing is to try and put me back, put my life back in the moment it was when Tyrod Taylor was drafted into the NFL. 
Like I remember when he was on the Bills, and it was uh, the debate of whether he should be starting on the Bills. That's your. That's a, like nine years ago. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that time flies. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a weird old thing. What other talking points from last weekend's NFL games do you want to touch on? I guess you put me on the spot. Uh, I got to put you on the spot. I thought we could get the try it. <laughs> the, the Chargers. I didn't expect them to win that game anyway, so it's okay or for can me. Can you expect them to win any game at the moment? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. Are they done? Like, is this playoff hopes gone? No, I don't think they're done. They're two. Not at two and three. Well, they're playing the. They do have a, like a really the, tough schedule, but I still think... Yeah, they're playing. You want to go run through this one, too? I'll give you this one. We, we can do. I mean, I've got it up if you go want. Go ahead. They're two uh, and three. I'll go quick. Go ahead. Home for the Charger. Home for the Chiefs, sorry. Two and four. Well, actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to go... <laughs> no, they own, they own the Chiefs. They've won the last right. three or four against yeah, them. Yeah, so they're due. Okay, All let's right. say... So th- do they play them twice still? Uh, yeah, let's say they, they split. Let's say they split. So let's say they win this one right. and lose the next one. So three and three. Have they played each other already? No, they haven't played. I don't think so. Uh, no, they play each other final week of the season. Okay. So um, that could be a win yeah. for them because we'll split. Um, it. Okay. So two and four, you have okay. them. Uh, at the Bears. Win. Home for the Jets. Win. At the Lions. Loss. They're four and five now. Home for the Packers. Win. Five and five. At the Ravens. I don't know what to make the Ravens. At the Ravens, I'll give them a loss. Five and six. Home for the Patriots. Win. Six and six. At the Broncos. Win. Seven and six. Home for the Raiders. Win. Eight and six. At the Bills. Loss. Eight and seven. A home for the Broncos. Win. Nine and seven. At the Chiefs. Win. So ten and seven. That'll make it. That will. I think a lot of it weirdly might come down to do the Chiefs need to win final week of the season? Yeah. Like that could be because that could make the difference. And again, I don't think you were being too optimistic there because actually their schedule is not as bad as it as it really looks. There's a lot of very easily winnable I mean, we've games. We've got the Broncos still twice. Few, That's huge. There's still a few games in there that you know you've like home for the Raiders. They could lose that. Yeah. You know they could home for the Packers. They could lose that. Maybe this team. I mean, I'm losing faith in the Packers week by week, even though I think they had a bye week this week, right? <laughs> I lost a little faith in the bye week, though. No. <laughs> yeah, Herbert did not play well. Um, I was surprised, actually. I didn't hear it from you, but I heard it from my dad, uh, who the next morning wanted to make sure I knew how shitty Herbert played. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad you need people in your life to remind you that he's not the second coming. But yeah, I mean, look, I the Cowboys. I I think 
I don't struggle to know what to make of the Chargers team. I struggle to know what to make of this Cowboys team, which is they're pretty good. I think it's just the where I have to yeah. fall on them. You know, when I predicted them to make the Super Bowl at the end of the year, you questioned me about whether I can trust Dak Prescott enough to do that. And at the time, I would have said yes. The more I watch them, the more confused I am as to whether I should say yes or not. Because he has times where he looks pretty good. And then he has times where he just sits there and it's it's like he forgot what he's doing. <laughs> you know, like it's just like he either just gets sacked and and like just didn't move for five seconds, or he's just looking around to literally nothing and then just throws it away. The amount of times I see him get sacked or make a throwaway on a play where there's guys open, every game it's like more and more. You see it. It's it's almost like too easy to see now. So I like that worries me a little. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> but he didn't play terrible. But again, is it enough to be a Super Bowl contending with quarterback? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not super I mean, no. confident. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I don't think they're, unless something weird happens. I, I can't see a scenario in which they make it past the Eagles and the Niners in the NFC. I, I can't see them making, put it this way, and this is not me being a big nut. The Niners, as we touched on last week, is such a bad matchup for them. Yeah, They need someone else to knock out the Niners in the playoffs. Because I just think there's, like, the Niners should be 15-point favorites in the playoffs against the Cowboys. And that's not because... <laughs> It's just, you know, it's just one of those things. What about Sometimes the Niners without McCaffrey? Fourteen point favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just such a such a great matchup for them that I just can't see a scenario in which the Cowboys win that game. But yeah, all right. What else? Not the most eventful weekend in the NFL. No, probably not too too much else to discuss, really. Yeah, I mean, Fields got knocked out of the game. We talked about Justin Fields uh, on our last uh, podcast. Dolphins looked good again against the Panthers, so I don't know what, you know, who cares? 42 against the Panthers, that's... The Panthers are so bad. They're so bad. I think the only thing that was creditable there is they they were down 14-0, right? So there was the moment of, whoa, is this going to be a really surprising loss and then they scored 24 points in like yeah. three minutes and all of a sudden it was game over i mean i think that the talking points might be more in like the middle of the pack teams where you had the jags beat the colts and now the jags are four and two in a weak weak division so i don't think they're that great of a team yeah. but they're gonna have a decent record when all is said and done Here, here's what i i think the market has let yet to correct the colts are not in the middle of the nfl pack Three and three. They fooled, they fooled some people early, but the wheels are fast coming off the Colts. And well, Anthony Richardson's gone are, for the year now, so you're relying on Gardner yeah, Minshew for the year. Pe- people are not adjusting to the fact, like they are being fooled. A couple of early weeks of the Colts being impressive, and then like the the Colts and the Cardinals, the wheels are gone. 
These are not, <laughs> you know, these are not middle of the pack teams. Well, the Cardinals they are, are one and five. The Colts are three and No, three. I know, but even the Cardinals, right? People are still giving them like, oh, they're kind of frisky. They're better than we thought they were going to be. It's like, I don't think they are better than they no, thought No, that was just the be. first two weeks. <laughs> yeah, they just, they were okay. They gave it all they got for, for those two, weeks two three the weeks. They're done. <laughs> and then that Giants loss, they were just like, shit, guys, we suck. Yeah. We really tried there. But and then, yeah, cool. yeah. And then the other game, I think, maybe being Texans Saints and the Texans beating the Saints to now go three and three with the Saints now dropping also to three and three. Again, I don't think either team is great, but one of them is going to win a division, probably. <laughs> and one of them is going to make the playoffs and they're not going to win in the playoffs, but they're going to make it. So I at least think it's pretty impressive what Stroud's doing, you know, he's having a great start to the season so far did throw his first interception, but had two nice touchdown passes, got the win. The Texans I think might be better than we thought they were, but I don't think that's very good, but they're definitely exceeding expectations. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And then the other game that I kind of wanted to touch on, I guess, briefly the Seahawks Bengals game which I actually watched a sizable chunk of just because there weren't that many good games and that game just stayed within how on earth the Seahawks did not win that game is mind blowing. I mean, for people who didn't pay attention to it, so they were down 13, 17. They went down that with what? Uh, Basically 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. They then have a punt on their next possession, but pretty much from midfield. So you're not that far out of, you know, fourth down range. But then on the ensuing two possessions, they have first and goal, which starts with a sack. And then they have another first and goal right at the end of the game, or I guess not technically not first and goal, right? Or was it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I think... I think they te- no they had the they, nine. they could have got a f- they could have got a first down yeah. on the one yard line, yeah. and but ha- basically four goes from within the ten, basically, well eight goes from within the ten, over the last, over two possessions and came away with nothing, and not even came away with nothing. Never looked like scoring. It's rare on that final set of downs, the four downs, like. Uh, I, I went away to get a drink and came back and sat down and they'd moved. It was like, suddenly they were first and goal or whatever. And I was like, wow, this is, they're going to do it. And on none of the four plays they came up with, did they even threaten to get close to the end zone, which I actually think is marginally impressive. I, I mean, I'll put it this way. Let's, uh, I'm going to back up just a little bit. If I told you your team is down 14 to 13, and in the next four drives, three of them will be in the red zone. You expect to win that game. They had three out of their final four drives in the red zone and went interception, downs, downs. And red zone is yeah. and red zone is being generous because all of them were inside yeah. the 10, some as close yeah. as like the five, you know. So it's no, not like they were like the 19 and, three times. Yeah, and first downs. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it'll be like, oh, they got into the red zone. It's like, yeah, they got in there and like fourth and yeah. three 
they they got to the 19. This is like, yeah. no, 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 you were first down f- in the red, yep. fully in the red zone. Two first and goals and one just outside, first and 11, 10 of the 11. Yeah. And, no, it's and then if I reverse that and told you the other team in the second half goes interception, punt, punt, field goal, punt, punt, you've got to think you're winning that game. <laughs> Three points. You held the other. You held the other yeah. team to three points in the second half, and you had three attempts in the red zone and lost that game. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> oh no, it's it's one of the weirder. The thing that saves them, right, is the perception of people that the Bengals are good. So I think, like Pete Carroll and the Seahawks have been kind of scrutinized less than they would have been. Like had they lost that game to the Cardinals, people would have been way more critical of them. And I don't think the Bengals are actually good. And then the other thing that helps them too is just the Seahawks are flying slightly under the radar. After that week one loss, I think people instantly overreacted and kind of dismissed them as being that good. And so they're not really getting the attention they probably should get for being, I mean, they're going to be a playoff team. They're, you know, not a Super Bowl contender, but they could win a game in the playoffs, put it that way. Yeah, I agree. That was a weird result. Now, I had a question that came up that I wanted to ask you. This is just a in in line with you know those questions that are popular, like which would you be you more likely to be able to do? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that dumb, but like you know, could, could you get a hole in one or a, you know whatever? Or if you were given ten attempts, do you think you could? you know, make five yards in the NFL or, you know, whatever those questions are, which do you think is more likely in the NFL? Do you think you could more likely score a touchdown or get a sack? Any means are available for you on the touchdown, right? So you can either make yourself a wide receiver and hope that you just, it's blown coverage and you're open by 30 yards and walking into the end zone or it's, you know, Wait, if, first down from the one inch line. If I, if I'm a defense defensive player trying to get a sack, can I be like a cornerback and just blitz every time from like the cornerback or safety position sure. and try and go un, uh unblocked? Yeah. If you want. Yeah. If you think that you can pull that off. Yeah. That's a pretty good question. Both, I can equally do both easily. <laughs> Every time. Every fucking <laughs> Every time. Every play. <laughs> I think I would go touchdown. Because I, I'm, I, am, I'm not, I am a firm believer that if you put me, if it was first and goal from the inside the one-yard line and I just get four attempts to rush it up the gut, then I'm probably getting there eventually. Oh, Nick Bosa would rip your head off. <laughs> Whereas uh, the sack would be harder to come by. Like with no skill, I think it's going to be, you could luck your way in. Like you could have, I don't know, again, pick your team. If you're around a lot of other talented pass rushers, you're just the guy who slides in at the very end yeah. to like technically get the sack. But it's because Nick Bosa like, grabbed the quarterback and then pushed him. And then, you know, you've come in to just like breathe on him to knock him over. 
I mean, I think yeah. I'm the Giants. I'm pl- playing the Giants offensive line. And I think I'm on the sure. Niners <laughs> or the <Okay>. Eagles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's doable. But I think I'm. if I was like bet my life, I have a full game to get one of the two outcomes. I think I'm going touchdown. I mean, and you have to think it's actually pretty close how many sacks there are a game versus how many touchdowns there are. Maybe slightly yeah. more sacks than touchdowns, but it's not yeah, overwhelmingly more. No, you're probably talking the average is what? Five, say like, five six sacks a game. Yeah, versus somewhere in the five to ten, five to ten range combined. Yeah. Maybe even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's comparable in terms of numbers. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think if you're scoring a touchdown, I, think, I don't think what you're saying is the way to go. I think being a receiver and, like, getting a blown coverage or, like, a one-on-one coverage and just – burning them deep <laughs> but there, there you have to you're hoping for then you're like scripting the scenario if you see what i mean you're really coming up i'm saying i'm not relying on the incompetence of the other team i'm just trusting that if i really really wanted it with a full head of steam if i <laughs> see i think you're discounting how fucking strong nfl players are no if i get a good offensive line this is the thing you know, like if I get a really good offensive line, I know where the gap is going to be. I think, do I get in every time? No. Do I get in once? Yeah. Do I run the risk that the first time I don't get in? You and die. I basically get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> the next play is just someone grabbing me and dragging me over while I hold on to the ball. So it's okay. I mean, so switch. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The only thing I will, uh, one I might agree with you, the only other way, the less risky way to try and get the touchdown is in a goal, like a goal line situation to be a receiver and to like we always discuss to have the sort of quarterback rollout and you're running parallel and there you're probably just untouched. You might get demolished catching it, but usually... That doesn't require any particular speed. You're, you're probably, it's not like a contested catch usually. So you're probably either wide open or you're not. And and that is probably the safest way to try and get the touchdown. But, I, you know, I still think you'd be able to just run up the gut and probably do it. I mean, do you think the tush push, do you think... <laughs> if you no, I think what's going to happen. What you said, you roll out and you're going to get Rod Tidwell in the end zone. <laughs> no, but okay, but <laughs> say if you went to the Eagles, for first and goal from the inside the one yard line, and you become quarterback, you don't think they're just pushing you over the line to score a touchdown? Yeah, maybe, but I might have a broken neck. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> then I'm definitely Rod Tidwell. <laughs> But you, you get the contract. But you get the contract. The yeah, you get the contract immediately afterwards. So let's switch gears, switch sports a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bittersweet moment here, because England has now beaten Italy to qualify for the next Euros competition uh, to kind of avenge their their last foray into that competition where they lost to Italy. But 
I'll, I'll make this a positive discussion instead of trying to let you remember the, the bad times. With that performance of Jude Bellingham, do you think England are a favorite now to win that competition? How, how excited and optimistic are you? I know it's only one performance, yeah. but if that's what you're going to get in the next major competition, are you excited watching him play like that? I mean, yeah. So he does something that's really important for England, which is when Harry Kane is dropping deep, he makes the runs past Harry Kane, which we saw on a couple of occasions, which is the thing, right? When England look their worst is when Harry Kane drop deep, drops deep, gets the ball, there's no one running past him and play just kind of stops and they have to rebuild from like 10 yards further deep, sort of further deeper in than they were previously. You, you can see, I mean, we spoke about it, right? When he signed for Real Madrid, you can just see the impact. A, he's full of confidence right now because everything is going well for him. I mean, oozing out every orifice. If you were trying, if you're, (laughs) if you were going to be negative, it would be from an England perspective, this is the wrong time for him to have this rich vein of form. Like he will probably not be in this good of form in the summer. So if you wanted to put a negative slant on it, it's then the timing is not perfect, but still, you know, him learning it's, it's why when we, again, another topic we've spoken about in the past, I'd already be such a big advocate for more England players going abroad and just learning as particularly because the international system is closer to the way the game is played in other European leagues. And so you're just learning a better style of play to go and influence and impact international football. Yeah. Bellingham's exciting. I mean, it's, he's on course to be the best player in the world. It's been a long time since England have been really been able to say that. So 20 years old. It's crazy. Yeah. Barring when you think about like, we always talk about how young Phil Foden still is. And he's a whole three years younger than Phil Foden, you know, like that's crazy. No. And so barring injury, you know, hopefully he'll have a, you know, kind of clean career from that perspective. It's, and it's such an important area of the pitch to have such a dominant and talented player. But I mean, the positive isn't just him. I mean, Foden played well, for example, in that game, Rashford, Kane, again, you know, like I think Kane is benefiting from that Bayern Munich experience, which again, we also sp- spoke about, you know, Tuchel does not want Kane to drop deep in that same way. He wants him to be leading the line in a more traditional sense. And I think you even saw from that England benefited from that slightly. Overall, to me, the reaction of the general public has been surprisingly either sort of nonchalant or negative to England winning comfortably against Italy. People are just like, well, Italy aren't that good. Yeah. Italy aren't the best team in the world, but they're pretty good. Like they're a top t- top 10 team in the world. They're a top six or seven team in Europe. So to win with that kind of comfort and in that manner, you know, there have not been many times in, in our lifetimes when England have been able to do that. And England are fully in the stage now where I just expect them to turn up and win. They went behind. I wasn't concerned. The only team, I'll be honest with you, on the only team going into the Euros who I'm going to be re- genuinely wary of playing is France. That's it. And that's not good. I think England are better than France. 
but I still think France are, England and France are on that tier one of European football. Everyone else is slightly behind them. So everyone else would need England to be slightly off their best to beat them. Maybe not by much, like Germany might need England to be 95% of their best performance. And then if Germany are 100%, they can win. But France, if it's 100 versus 100, France might win the game still. So, <laughs> no, but you know, if I'm trying to... Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm super confident going into the Euros. Yeah. But you also know, part of me just doesn't want them to win. So I'm, I'm, I'm scared. Is this the summer when England ruin international football for me? <laughs> yeah, no, and and I agree with you. You know, it's just not him that is looking really good right now. But in the obviously, let's say it's a sh- much shorter lifetime that I've been watching England play. They've always kind of not had that. I, it's it's almost like what you're saying, like just oozing with confidence that he is like they haven't had for me that like feel or that player that just kind of has that spark where you kind of just I, I can't you can't describe it, but you like you can kind of see it when you when you see it where yeah. there's some teams that have players where at any moment you're just like, oh, oh, here we go. Quick one. Boom. You know, and like. Like kind of like when like what are you, John a Madden bit. all of a sudden yeah yeah a little <laughs> bit like Mbappe you know with France sometimes where it's like he's out there and they just have that swagger almost to them where at any time something really great could happen and watching that match the other day like that was the first time I kind of almost felt that with England where like every time he almost touched it you were just like ooh oh ooh kind of just had like a really good feeling he is very charismatic and he oozes confidence and i do ag- <laughs> you gotta stop saying oozes no, but he, do- he does <laughs> we're not the, no, not the ninja turtles here <laughs> but i think and i think it touches on what you're saying there that england not having a player like that they've had you know harry kane is a world-class player and he might be an inspirational leader in terms of the way he trains and the way he plays and the impact he can have on a match but he's kind of anonymous from a personality standpoint. Yeah. Bellingham has that that sort of X factor. Like when he, you know, when they were losing and he got the crowd, he kind of gestured for the crowd to make some noise. When he won the penalty and he did the breathe gesture to the supporters. It's those little things that, I don't know, it's quite cocky and quite arrogant He's just managing to stay on the not awful side of the line, which is important because he's still likable. He's straddling it. I'm not going to lie. Like his celebration with the just kind of embracing the adulation of the crowd. Even yesterday when he helped set up um, the Rashford goal, he, and I know he'd made his run, very intelligent run to open the space for Rashford. You know, he draws one defender to the left, which opens up the space for Rashford to cut in on the right. He took one defender completely out of play. Great run. You know, it's a sign of his intelligence, his footballing intelligence. He just carried on his run. He ran off to the left corner flag to celebrate by himself. And all the other England players went to the right corner flag to celebrate together. And he's got to be a little bit cautious, I think, about that. But for the time being, he's... 
I mean, again, yeah, it's just England. Um, Rashford isn't that type of player. I think he's very con- These are all players who are confident in their own ability, but I don't know how much confidence they would bring out of their teammates. Yeah. So he's yeah. got that mojo. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd feel like if you were playing with him, I think he'd make you feel better. Yeah. I think he has that. He, he seems to want to do that. He wants to make everyone else confident. He wants to kind of bring, like you said, a little bit of swagger to the whole thing. Whereas a lot of the other England players, they're kind of reserved. You know, you, you could run through the list. Kane's like that. Ratchet's like that. Saka, great player. But again, he's this kind of shy, childlike character. Does great things on the pitch, but you just kind of, he's doing his thing. And yeah, Bellingham has a possibility of sort of changing that. And yeah, it's exciting. I still think there's areas of concern, obviously, with the England team, how they handle the central midfield behind Bellingham. I mean, Declan Rice will hold down that position, but they probably need something a bit more out of whoever plays alongside Declan Rice. So that's one area they have to address ahead of the Euros. And then defensively, I mean, there's injuries, right? That was without Saka, which again, even more impressive, right? You know, arguably England's second best player based on form so far this season, not playing, and you didn't miss a beat. So, but yeah, there's, it's a lot of talent in that team. So I think they should be favorites technically to win it. Doesn't mean they will, but they probably should be favorites. And I guess another thing you correctly predicted is maybe the Neymar situation. (laughs) And this one being obviously a little more unfortunate than his previous quote unquote injuries. But uh, reports are that Neymar has torn his ACL and will have an extended leave of absence from, from football. Yeah. Obviously you don't want someone to get hurt. Obviously this wasn't part of his plan. But I bet you part of him's not that unhappy. <laughs> you know, like he's probably gonna rehab for months on end. Unlike Aaron Rodgers, this is probably gonna be the slowest rehab we've ever seen. <laughs> I mean that that was kind of gonna half jokingly be my question. Yeah. Is this the end of Neymar? Well, no, because he's definitely not retiring. Is it the end no, of No, I don't mean retiring, but I mean just in in being a half competent footballer. <laughs> mm, no, I mean he's so talented. Uh, I think he'll, he, I mean, but this is a long road to recovery. The question is how much does he want to play in another world cup? That's the only thing he's got left, right? How much does he want to play? How much does he want to win a world cup? That's the question. Uh, is that, I'm supposed to answer yeah, it. I, tell, I don't know the exact can, answer. <laughs> can you tell me on a scale of one to 10? How much does I'm he texting him now. Hold okay. on. I don't know what the time zone difference. Oh, he's going to respond right away. <laughs> No, I just put the World Cup symbol and question mark. <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and like Brazil struggling in their qualification phase. They drew at home with Venezuela, which I think was the first. They'd won 15 matches in a row at home, something like that, in, in World Cup qualifiers. Then they obviously they lost to Uruguay. Um, the South American qualification is tough. Like it's a lot harder than European qualification. It's yeah. not the gimme. Because of the, they're all in one big group, so you know they can they could slip up. There's a risk that Brazil could not qualify, 
they probably still will, but cause for concern for them to have dropped points in consecutive matches. We don't do rankings, but we do quizzes based off rankings. So I have a little trivia quiz for you, Eddie. I'll let you choose which one you want to answer. So I have here the list of the top 10 highest paid footballers in 2023. Would you rather do top five from total earnings or a little trickier top five off field earnings? Oof. I mean, I, I feel like they're going to be quite a similar list, I would have thought. but They're similar, but they're not identical. Um, I'll do total earnings. Okay, top five total earnings. I expect this in order. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know if I can do that in order. Um, I'll just, I won't try it in order. Messi. Okay. Messi's number two. You've lost. Ronaldo, I'm <laughs> guessing, might be number one. Ronaldo's number one. Ronaldo is 260 million. Messi is 135 million. Neymar? Neymar is three at 112 million. These are USDs, by the way. Mbappe. Mbappe, number four, 110 million. You're just missing number five. Hmm. Think about it. Benzema? Don't rush. Benzema, yes, 106 million. I could have done that in order. I know, because I, I know, but I because I knew Ronaldo <laughs> was one. If I'd really committed to doing it in order, I actually could have done it in order. That's annoying. Yes. The interesting one is if you did it um, in terms of off-field earnings. Messi's number one, Ronaldo's yeah. number two, Neymar, Mbappe, and then uh, Erling Holland moves up to number five. Yeah. There's not much. There's not much sponsorship love for Kareem Benzema. Surprising. <laughs> But yeah, I guess while we're on the... I'm sorry, actually, Salah. Salah is number five. Oh, makes sense. And then Holland. But I guess while we're on the international sports uh, thread, worth mentioning the Rugby World Cup final, Rugby World Cup, now entering the semifinal stage. A couple of minor upsets uh, over the weekend. France, host nation, were slight favorites against South Africa and lost. Ireland, number one team in the world. Slight favorites against New Zealand and lost. Uh, Argentina were, you know, slight underdogs against Wales and won. And then England were favorites and won. So we got England against South Africa in one semifinal on Saturday and uh, Argentina against New Zealand on Friday. So all roads seem to point towards a New Zealand-South Africa final, which just surprising given the fact that coming into this World Cup, all the talk was of Northern Hemisphere dominance, perhaps. Even talk going into the semi, the quarterfinals that we might have an all-Northern Hemisphere semifinal in the end ended up with one Northern Hemisphere team and probably going to have none in the final. So uh, kind of business as usual, I suppose. It's one of those things, you know, safest bet in New Zealand making a World, Rugby World Cup final. But still some really good matches at the weekend. And who knows, maybe England can spring a surprise. But one place where England really needs to spring some surprises is in the Cricket World Cup, where Oof. 
They put in an embarrassing performance on Sunday against Afghanistan. And I think oh. people people have overreacted to the fact that they lost to Afghanistan. People have treated that as if it's some colossal upset. And Afghanistan are a pretty decent team with some very good players. It's just the manner in which they lost. Like it's it's one thing to lose, but they were swept aside in the end. And I think that's the more concerning thing. And especially considering the fact that they were swept aside by New Zealand in the first match to then be swept aside by Afghanistan in their third match. It's not looking good. Yeah, not good. So I, the, the rugby, unfortunately I didn't watch. I just saw the scores and then did some, some reading up the uh, classic Tim analysis of reading about the match afterwards and just not watching. Um, I wish I had watched the South Africa France match. It, it looked like a really good contest. <laughs> it was. Can I have one complaint about this rugby What's world that? cup? Every big match that's being played, two big takeaways. One, everyone says that should have been the final. <laughs> that's been said. Like, like second round, round robin match. That should have been the final. <laughs> Genuinely, I've heard that said th- about three matches so far in this rugby world cup. South Africa, Ireland in the group stages, South Africa, France, New Zealand, Ireland, all three. I've heard the same people say that should have been the final (laughs) involving four different teams. And then also that's the best match game of rugby I've ever seen, which again, I've heard said about all three of those matches and again, by all the same people. Now, I guess you could be more forgiving to the best match of rugby because Technically, each match could have surpassed the previous one, but I find it unlikely that the top three matches of rugby you've ever seen all happened in this World Cup. But I know it's just the recency bias and the hyperbole that people love to embrace, but that's my only slight critique. And they were fantastic matches, don't get me wrong. But it's just like, it's such uncreative analysis. For people when you're being paid, a random guy watching the match in a bar or whatever, who cares? But when you're legitimately being paid to react to a sporting event and the best thing you can come up with, best match I've ever seen, wow, I can't believe how good that was. And that should have been the final. I mean, we don't need you. You should hand your salary back in. And I think um, France were favored in that match, right? They were. I mean, we can talk about it in it's similar to the NFL, right? And spreads, I think kickoff they were one point favorites maybe two point favorites and the same with ireland against new zealand so they were both favorites but they were you know it's certainly not a surprise i think new zealand beating ireland was more of a surprise even though from a bookmaker perspective the it was pretty much the same but i think most people the kind of percentage chance given to ireland to progress through that quarterfinal would have been far far higher France, I think most people would have seen as a kind of 50-50, let's say 55-45 in France's favor. And Ireland, you know, I think would have been a lot higher. And in both instances, both Ireland and France probably might feel like they should have won, but didn't. And now England are are clear, pretty clear underdogs, correct? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is the disappointing thing with the way this World Cup has worked out is that it's not delivering the most exciting, at least on paper, semifinals. So you have well, two. Well, the match of the finals should have been the one in the semis. That's, That's true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so New Zealand are 18-point favorites against Argentina. 
in the first semifinal and South Africa are 13 point favorites against England. So again, if you're an American doesn't follow rugby, just imagine if the NFC and AFC championship games had <laughs> both had double digit favorites, you wouldn't exactly, you know, you could talk yourself into, I think it's hard to talk yourself into Argentina beating New Zealand, both because Argentina haven't looked fantastic in this world cup. New Zealand look like they're getting better and better as each week goes by. And you can go back to the rugby championship, the Southern hemisphere equivalent of the six nations and New Zealand handled Argentina fairly convincingly in that. And that was only a couple of months ago. So it's hard to make a case for Argentina. It's hard to make a case for England, but you could at least say, I don't know, they play tight rugby. They're trying not make mistakes. They'll take points where they can, you know, I think they'll both win by comfortable margins. Yeah. And then to the cricket, yeah, uh, it's it's just it was tough to watch. Not that I can watch all of it because it's on at like two in the morning my time. But when I wake up and hope to watch an exciting finish and then watch that finish, that was terrible. <laughs> the tough thing for me is. I really like Joss Butler, and he's obviously such an exciting player to watch bat, but his captaincy is making me dislike him, and <laughs> that bothers me because I really still want to... And the things that I like about him are making me dislike him. as He's so... Again, it kind of goes back to almost the Bellingham conversation. He's so softly spoken. He's sort of never... His, his sort of energy levels and mood never seem to shift. He's like in neutral the whole game like they cut he looked a little dejected during the afghan the afghanistan match when they cut to him and he was sitting in the on the bench but still just kind of looked like same old joss butler and i just feel like take the captaincy away from him let him be the batsman who comes in and smashes 80 off 25 balls and let someone else deal with the leading inspiring the team setting the field it's obviously not his strength it's always weird to me that in cricket, each format has different captains. Traditionally, they wouldn't have. So it was, it's not that long ago where it would have all been, you know, in the 90s, it would have all been the same person. It's just as specialization has come into it more and more, both in terms But it's of, weird when you have Stokes on the team, on the squad. Well, he, he's only a bad because he unretired, right? So... Yeah. I guess. And you have Joe Root, who also used to be a cap. Like, you have two other players who are captains on that team. And that puts them in a weird spot, right? Because you don't want to probably, they probably are nice enough people that they don't want to step on Butler's toes of being the captain. But I can only imagine someone like Ben Stokes after that loss isn't itching or dying to speak up a little more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know that dynamic. He might be happy you know, to have someone else step in and do that. And certainly I think on the pit, like when they're in the field, having that input of people discussing fielding, field changes and strategies for bowlers, that has to be useful to have that extra insight. But yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't inspire any confidence. And it's interesting because, right, Owen Morgan, the previous, who maybe the greatest captain in the history of white ball cricket for any nation also softly spoken 
and quiet and reserved. But the difference was he had like a steely quietness about him, you know, sort of very focused. Whereas Joss Butler just seems like, you know, he, you could push him over with a reasonably strong wind, you know, like it's, it just doesn't. And again, I really like him and it just, it annoys me because I mean, look, he's probably done as captain after this world cup. This is it. But yeah, it's, it's making me, it's tarnishing my, when it gets, when he retires, when all is said and done with Joss Butler's career, this world cup will have a disproportionate impact on how I feel, how I felt about him as an England player. And that's kind of a shame. The, the light breeze blowing him over reminds me, I heard Peyton Manning say a quote the other day that one of his coaches told him he couldn't outrun his eyesight in a week. For <laughs> 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 how slow he was. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's not a bad one. I'll have to, I'll have to file that one away. It's a good... Uh... But yeah. Yeah, we'll see. They got a big test against South Africa. Ironically, this is a big weekend for England South Africa in multiple formats <laughs> yeah to doubleheader england south africa on saturday and if england lose both of them that's a bad saturday for me <laughs> well, i think we can finish on a lighter topic of sports and that's the olympics now, it was announced that for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, there will be five new sports added. Do you know what these sports are, Eddie? Yeah, I, I think I hate them all as Olympic sports. So cricket. So cricket. Flag football. Flag football. Baseball and softball, right? We're back. Baseball, softball. And I actually can't remember what the... Squash. Yeah, that doesn't bother me actually. I'm fine with squash. And lacrosse. Lacrosse? Yes. Yeah, lacrosse bothers me too. So the squash, I know squash is the only one to me that feels like it should be in the Olympics. All of those others. Ba- baseball, softball? No? I'm a firm believer that the in the the criteria for should your sport be in the Olympics? Question number one is is the greatest achievement in your sport? winning the Olympics. Now, maybe softball, because who knows what else they win. This is just more of me being dismissive of this professional softball than it is anything else. But you're not telling me that any one of those players would rather win a gold medal in the Olympics than win the World Series. Maybe some players who don't, like maybe some Japanese or Korean players, you know, like they're they're probably going to be some nations where that is the case. But anyone like playing in the majors... I don't think is realistically making that decision. I, I don't know, though, because you look at basketball and I think basketball has had a great run at the Olympics and I think almost all of them will trade in. Oh, come on. Don't 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 give me the dismissive look. The dream team is one of the most talked about sports moments in the in U.S. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's it's so American centric, right? Like the basketball is fine. In, as an as an Olympic sport, I don't think it should be in the Olympics, though. I, I like basketball, so don't get me wrong. I watch Olympic basketball. Like I'm going to watch Olympic cricket. I'm going to probably watch Olympic flag football and just question why on earth something that I don't even really think is a sport is suddenly in the fucking Olympics. But 
I'll probably watch them, but you know, I just think I mean the the flag football is by far the most egregious one because that's played by a sport that the real people who would be good at that sport aren't playing that version of the sport. Like it's like 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 you're saying it's close it's close to not even being a real sport. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to knock on the people who play professional flag football because I've watched it and yes, it's it's difficult, I'm sure, and everything. But in the grant, and what bothers me is you've already seen people in flag football come out. So Tyree Kill had said he had sent a tweet when this happened, like, "Hey, everybody, let's like put our best team in and go win this." And then there were flag professional flag football team who responded, being like, "You have no idea how different it is. You guys would never do good in this sport." And that angers me because, yes, maybe for like the first two weeks when they didn't fully know the rules and the routes and the different tweaks, they wouldn't be good. But you can go fuck yourself if you think (laughs) Tyreek Hill won't smoke you up and down the field in flag football just because he has to move his hips a little differently to avoid a tackle. Like, get the hell out of here, buddy. (laughs) Oh, what would you do? Oh, you played Division Three in Pennsylvania that no one's ever heard of at a liberal arts school? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That hip movement you do, Tyreek Hill couldn't do. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And Gronk said he wants to come back for it. I mean, which sounds perfect for Gronk. This is like... <laughs> Gronk at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'll be both enjoyable and annoying to watch. But And Gronk in the Olympic Village. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a little too old. He will be pretty. Um, well, you say this. He's not as old as you think he is, right? He's only like thirty-three. But that's old in Olympics. The Olympic Village. The average age is like twenty-three, twenty-four. Yeah, it's sure, not. but he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I agree with. I barely consider flag football to be a sport. I mean, it's, it's a toned-down version of another sport. Like it doesn't. You know, it would be like five-a-side football, which is more of a sport, but five-a-side football being the Olympics. And I would just... Or three-on-three basketball, which is in the Olympics. Yeah. I think you can... Here's the difference is, if they got rid of normal basketball in the Olympics, I'd actually be fine with three-on-three because that at least requires, again, some specialization. So, you know, I... Because you can make a strong case that actually NBA players... Some NBA players would be great three-on-three baseball players, but a lot wouldn't. Like the skill set would not translate perfectly. So, but yeah, I I just don't think, you know, I think leave the Olympics to sports where that is the pinnacle of your sport. And if it's not, then don't want to, you know, it's just, these are, these are just people being greedy. I also think there has to be a more global footprint of your sport and Cricket can make a an okay case for the global footprint, but it's yeah. you know they 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 come up with dumb arguments like, well, we have to have cricket in the Olympics because Virat Kohli has more social media followers <laughs> than like LeBron James, Messi, and you know whoever else they said combined. It's like, well, yeah, but eighty five percent of them, ninety percent of them are all in one country. Like that doesn't it doesn't make you a global sport to just be the biggest athlete in India. Like I'm not trying to downplay that, but it doesn't. So, cricket bothers me. Flag football bothers me. Lacrosse. 
lacrosse, lacrosse. Does, does lacrosse have the global footprint i've never seen anyone when i was at university in england there were lacrosse teams because there's like a team for every sport you know like someone starts it but i've never stumbled across someone playing lacrosse in europe like i've not met a 30 year old still playing lacrosse i've never met a guy who's like i play professional lacrosse in germany whereas i've met over the last 15 years i've met people who've played a sport professionally and pretty much you know like every sport you where you'd be like i don't think they play that professionally in europe and then someone like well, yeah i get paid two and a half thousand euros <laughs> a month to do that but yeah lacrosse bar, ultimately too if i wanted to be really biased in this I don't really care about the medals table, but this also just feels like we're just handing the U.S. four <laughs> four more gold medals. You know, like. Well, the U.S. just edged out Italy in last year's flag football <laughs> nas- international flag football championship. Who was so. was Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback for Italy? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was injured. This <laughs> is like his crowning achievement. I mean, I guess that would be the interesting thing. Can I and can I harp on that too? Joel Embiid is now going to play for the U.S. What absolute horse shit! I know who Hakeem Olajuwon did it too, right, and stuff. But like, represent your country. Take if don't. And I know, like, there's plenty of people who play for the countries that are not the countries of their birth or whatever. You can naturalize. I'm fine with that to the large extent. I'm not okay with a Joel Embiid's what, like, 28 years old, just into his NBA career, thinking to himself, you know, what would be cool. I should win an Olympic gold medal because I pr- I might not win an NBA championship, but I should at least retire with an Olympic gold medal. So I'm going to become American and I'm going to win an Olympic gold. It's such bullshit. Is that why he became American? I mean, that's not what he said, right? But you know that's why he did it. He didn't do it because he just fucking loves hot dogs. Wow. (laughs) What do you really think about America, Eddie? (laughs) They're just there for hot dogs. They don't need Joel Embiid. That's my point. Like, you know? No, your point was the only thing America's good at is hot dogs. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't I I don't know why you keep need to add more and more sports. Do we need more sports in the Olympics? Like, do you need more sports just for the sake of having more sports in the Olympics? Like, I don't get why you add lacrosse when there's maybe five countries that are somewhat decent at it. I mean, five seems strong to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm just trying to not like discredit some like random country that. Is really good. It's like you don't know about so you don't know about Sweden's national lacrosse team. I mean, I would have thought it's between two, right? USA and yeah. Canada. I would guess that's well, it. Canada invented it. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's, that's yeah. Like I'll bet my absolute fucking life, right, <laughs> right now, that the final of the men's and women's lacrosse is USA Canada. No, actually, it's going to be in the semis, but it should have been in the finals. <laughs> Best game of lacrosse I've ever seen. Best game ever. But you know what I mean? Should have been the finals. This is the joke, you know? And, but yeah, and look, it doesn't really, if I'm like Russia, I'm fucking, I mean, they're not technically in the Olympics at the moment anyway, but. (laughs) They're furious because they're not even in it. (laughs) But, you know, like, or China. I mean, be like, 
what the fuck? We're trying to close the metal gap, and so now you're just giving them more sports? I mean, what, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and I don't care about that part of it, but I don't know. I'm just, and I agree with you. Why are they adding it? The only reason they're adding it is to make more money. Right? You just have to be cynical. It's selling more, it's selling attendance to more sports. And, you know, surprise, surprise, too, they're picking sports that are like stadium sports. So nice big attendances, you know, like. How long until pickleball is an Olympic sport? Next Olympics. If pickleball becomes an Olympic sport, I might become a terrorist and just, I might, I might blow up the Olympic games. <laughs> wow. Pickleball, pickleball, again, barely a sport. Oh, it'll be a sport in 2032. Can I bet that now? Find me a line, Eddie. I want to bet it. Couldn't find you any actually any actual, any actual odds, but yeah, I mean, I think the call your, I'm gonna call my bookmaker. <laughs> the thing that will hurt pickleball, it's still very much a U.S. sport. It's got to do a lot of global growth. Well, so is lacrosse. <laughs> I know, but people at least it's it's got age to it, right? Lacrosse is played in 78 nations. I mean, what does that mean? I'm looking at the world, lacrosse World Cup. So let's just go back through the history. It's existed since uh, 1967. The world, sorry, the the world, the world lacrosse men's championship. So it's existed since 1967, and here are the winners of that in order. So since 67, USA, USA, Canada, USA, 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 Canada, USA, Canada, USA, USA. <laughs> You just have a stroke. <laughs> That's it. That's it. The only and let me read you since 1998. Let me read you the finals: USA against Canada, 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 USA against Canada. I can't wait to see this. This is such a fucking joke. That is so good. In 1990. What are the the early odds now for betting USA versus Canada for the finals? Bet your house. Bet your house. Uh, So on three occasions, a country other than the USA or Canada has, on four, sorry. So the inaugural round, it was USA, Australia. And the second time it was USA, England. But they also. But actually, these were not finals. They were just runners-up because it was a league. So something weird happened there. But then 1982, it was USA-Australia. In 1994, it was USA-Australia. So Australia is going to get the bronze. You'd... So it's going to be USA, Canada, Australia. We just we don't have to play it. We're good. You added it. Don't have to play it. We meddled it. Yeah. Next. <laughs> I mean, to put it in perspective, and not to shit on Native people and First Nation people, but in the medal table of all time, ranked fifth is the Haudenosaunee men's national lacrosse team, which is the Iroquois nations. So technically not a real country is fifth in their medals table. This is this is the global impact of their sport. It's um it's not a good look. But yeah. Congratulations, USA. Congratulations, Canada. We can just put one extra medal on on the on the board for you. 
Well, and squash, Eddie, do you want to take a guess? What country the men's championship has been from for the past seven years? Um, now, it might be Great Britain, and you're trying to do this to me to get one back, but I'm going to guess it's American. And actually, eight years, the women's final, also from the same country. Great Britain? Egypt. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, actually, that is that does register. I. Yeah. No, look, squash to me is a legitimate global sport. People play squash everywhere. And also, it meets the... Again, I know this is just my own definition of what an Olympic sport would be. I am sure that winning a gold medal in squash will become bigger than winning the world championship in squash. Like, I'm sure if you give players that choice, they would pick the Olympic experience and being able to say, I'm an Olympic gold medalist over being able to say, I'm a squash world champion. It's to me like tennis shouldn't be in the Olympics because no one's realistically choosing a gold medal over... I mean, no one's even playing in it. No, they play, but like, you know, who? Andy Murray would trade his Olympic gold medal in for a Wimbledon title. For one good knee. <laughs> hip. His big issue is hips. Hip, sorry, hip. Sorry, I know I said that. I mean, he might even trade his Olympic gold medal for a runner-up in the Wimbledon, in Wimbledon. You know, like... So there's... A, I'm not going to think... Like, there's a lot of sports. Fundamentally, to me, it should be track and field and swimming... And that's kind of it. That should be a good question we should ask him off the record. Would you trade your Olympic gold medal to automatically reach the finals of Wimbledon? Doesn't mean you win it. I think he'd say no. You think he'd say no? I also think he may have won two gold medals. So he might, no, he might. That's not fair. Might, <laughs> then he would say yes. Yeah, he won in 2012 and 2016. He might trade 2016. I don't think he'd trade 2012 because that was the London Olympics, right? So winning in front of the home f- supporters on at Wimbledon, he'd probably hold on to that one. 2016 in Rio, maybe he'd trade that for one more Wimbledon final with a chance of maybe winning. And just to get back to Tyreek Hill's comment, about there is 0% chance the NFL would ever allow their players to play in a flag football competition in the Olympics. No, but I guess Tyreek Hill would be retired by then, probably. Five years, five years from now. Let's hope not. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of these players, probably perfect timing for them of like, I'll retire. And then go to the Olympics. Like, you know, you'll be 32, 33. It's... So on most projected, like, what would the team be? Lamar Jackson is the starting quarterback. He'd be unstoppable. <laughs> He'd be a, I, I, I agree with you, though, because Lamar will not be retired in five years' time. And there's just no way the Ravens, the only thing he could do I guess is be a free agent. Just hold out. Yeah, be a free agent. <laughs> hold out his contract to demand to play. That's the only thing. 
But Lamar Jackson better than Mahomes in flag? Yeah, I would think so. Because Mahomes has got that like just weird. I'll run around for twenty minutes and then make a crazy throw. I think Mahomes though would be way more tackleable in flag because when he does his little avoiding you kind of thing, I think if it's just a flag on his hip, I think you are ripping that off. Whereas Lamar's just like blowing by you. But I mean, I'm not stopping either of them. I'm not trying to make it sound like that, but yeah, yeah. I, I, part of me feels like Mahomes like sneakily bad flag football player. I don't think he's sneakily bad at anything football related. <laughs> I mean, number one, Brock Purdy. <laughs> Unstoppable. I mean, he fits the bill. Not so great college quarterback. <laughs> kind of an athletic white guy. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, I guess with that. Yeah, no more Purdy. We'll wrap it up. Right. Have a good one. Oh, see ya. Cheerio. <laughs>